Hey, it's Ellie and you are listening to episode 6 of Greatest Beats, where we talk to your favourite artists from the harder styles about their most memorable tracks. This week we say hello to a producer and DJ known for his work across the UK hardcore scene. He's one half of an award-winning duo, whilst also being internationally respected in his own right. He's had releases across various labels, whilst also being an, an integral part of the team who brought us Hardcore Underground. Greatest Beats is pleased to welcome Nick Adam, a.k.a. Darwin. We're here today to talk about your three greatest beats and the first song you've chosen, you know how you have those songs in your life that just mean so much to you, they're your favourite songs, they f- like have so many good memories of good times, you never take them off your iPod, they, they're your, your desert island discs, they just mean everything to you. Well, your first choice is one of mine and it is Don't Be Lonely with Pearl Blue. I know that's a lot to tell you in one go, but yeah, it's it's just. I mean, when I look back, it's at it got so stuff, many memories. It's, it's one of those tracks that I felt at the time I got right at, at that time. Even though when I listen back to it now, I go, "Ooh, production's like all over the place." It's one of the tracks that I feel I got right at that yeah. point in time. The songwriting was really good on it as well, and like when you had when you were listening to like the, the sort of clubland stuff at the time and all that that had like big Warner Brothers like style vocals in it you know everyone else was kind of like oh we had to make do with like whoever could sing or whatever and I was on the books of just another label uh they were not just the record label they were publishers too and they had a lot of vocalists on their books and if you remember like Triple J and stuff like that Follow the Sun and all those sort of big just another label tunes um, those were their in-house vocalists like Jennifer Bolton stuff like that and she was a um, I can't remember her name I think her name was Adele and she was one of their new signings at the time I, I mean I had nothing to do with the writing of the song itself because what happened is that I ended up doing a backing track for them um, because the uh, Ola who's, who ran who runs the, the publishing company and label um, said, look, we've got a vocalist here. If you send us over a backing track, we'll write something for it and then send it back to you and you can turn it into a tune. And um, yeah, they came back with these vocals and it was like, wow, that's like super high quality. I mean, back in 2006, I mean, you know, the only people that really had like that sort of access to really good vocals were pretty much the the, the big guys, you know, at the time. So, you know having vocals like that was a, a big deal 
Yeah, and it's a beautiful, beautiful lyric. Mm. I was listening to it on my way over here and I was just thinking, you know, you could hear this being remixed in in a modern context in a, across a lot of genres. It's just a song the fans really, really took to and it's still loved to this day. It's it's a song that, you know, it's, it's timeless, really. Um how did you get involved with just another label how did that come about from what i remember i mean that was two that track actually happened about two years after i'd signed with them so i'd just come out of uni and i'd sent them a demo and um i can't remember i'm sure it was like a trance track even and uh, and and a drum and bass track and i just didn't think about it and then i had a phone call like a few weeks later and they said, oh, you know, this is really good. You know, we want to sort of like speak to you. So I ended up going up to see them and, um, you know, did they said they were doing because I, uh, they were doing library music at the time. They had not done a lot of hardcore. They were still doing old school stuff yeah. and like releasing albums um, like the Wow, What a Rush CDs. They were doing like old school versions um, later down the line. But they were kind of like doing library music, which is like music for media, television, um, all sorts that sort of thing so they wanted to get me on board with that and then the hardcore stuff would be something that you do you indulge in on the side but obviously I wanted to do that was what I you know I've been listening to hardcore as a young teenager you know that's all I wanted to do you know that was my thing you know I, I, I sent it to them because I wanted to do hardcore so yeah. Um, yeah yeah and it really worked out well for you I think around about time 2006 that was around about a time when I first started working in UK hardcore and I just remember you were so well respected mm. in the scene um, and I, I think I followed you on MySpace. God, MySpace. <laughs> yeah, MySpace, yeah. It was really good at that time because um, like, like now we've obviously got social media and it's at its height and it's, it's, it's busy. Like it's really, I, I sort of feel for sort of the young producers um, that have gotten it, getting into it now because it's extremely hard to be seen even if you've got the best music in the world it's like looking for a needle in a haystack you know everybody's on there and everybody's trying to do exactly the same thing at the same time so you know lots of people just get lost it, but back then it was like forum based if you, you, the only time you went and found the music is if you went actively looking for it and then you would find like-minded people you know, you would join the forums, talk to people that are on there, ravers, producers and DJs. And we used to showcase tunes on there. Like we used to put up clips. I mean, but it was obviously the guy again before I got with Justin a label or at the, no, sorry. As I signed up with Justin a label, they had um, another guy um, who was who ran RFU, who was helping them with stuff called Jonathan Goldian. He did pretty much all of the, how do you say, it, the um, introducing that music to the the hardcore scene i kind of was quite lucky because i could sit back and write the music focus purely on that and then there was someone there who was actually getting that music out there and getting it heard you know and i think that helped a lot all that he was kind of networking that music so yeah that helped a huge amount of with sort of getting the initial exposure you know before all of that stuff you know, well, that track particularly happened as well. So, And then obviously, like I said, at the time of that track as well, one of the reasons why I have fond memories of that track is because there was a lot happening at that time. Um, 
you know, the birth of Hardcore Underground, you know, that I'd done uh, mixed one, uh, um, Wow, What a Rush 10 and 11. And um, there was quite a lot of exposure at that point in time. And the growth, it was exciting, the growth of the music as well. You know, even though there's, you had all the commercial CDs, you know, like the Clubland ones, the Hardcore Nations and Helter Scouter and things like that. Um, it was exciting on the underground tip as well, you know. So, yeah, it was just it, things you didn't know where things were going to go. That's why I really enjoyed it at that point. When I look back at it as well, you know, I mean, I don't really talk about it much. But obviously, like, you know, I, I had children relatively young. But I mean, but it was at a time when I was trying to do it at the same time, like trying to have a music career. And it, it's quite hard when you when you've got a young family to kind of go through that. And, you know, later down the line, you know, when me and my wife found out um, our, our twin girls had autism, it was a lot to take in. And it was like, oh, you know, I've got to try and balance this music career at the same time as, you know, looking after you know, um, twins with autism. Yeah, it is really hard trying to explain to people why you want to have this music career when you have a child to raise, especially when your child has complex needs. And yeah, it's, it's very, very hard. Um, That's the thing, it's the balance as well. So I had to make a decision. That it, wasn't, it, it was probably a few months before that, um, um, Don't Be Lonely and all that. Uh, Don't Lonely came out on hot first heard on hardcore underground one and that was i think an october time of that year and but it was about eight months before that i had to really decide you know the kids were just been born or they're a few months old and we i had to make a decision am i going to do this as a full-time job or am i going to get a job and i i said i i love music i love hardcore music i love dance music i have to do this I don't do this then I, I don't know what I'm gonna do so I just you know I drop myself in the deep end and I, you know luckily I've been doing this as a full-time job since then really up until now you know I'm still doing it now it's, it's been a thing you know including Gaz you know me and Gaz are lucky enough that we've managed to turn what we love doing into a, a job but it doesn't feel like that, obviously. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It feels like you're having fun. And yeah. That's the main thing, isn't it? As long as you're still having fun while you do your job. Uh, yeah, I've had that over the years where people have said to me, oh, you know, maybe it's time to get a new job, or, or, or a real job. And y- you say to yourself, you know, but would I be happy doing that? And is that ultimately the best thing in the long run? And yeah, you face that. Um, decision and yeah you succeeded and you are massively respected in the scene by producers and fans alike and I can't count the amount of times over the years I've heard producers saying oh I love how he does it this or I love how he does that and you know you're respected for your creativity and the way you work and yeah it was a good thing to stick in at it and I thank you because you don't know how to react when they like your music yeah. and stuff like that because you don't want to go oh yeah I know like go oh it's it's just really hard to take on board we just enjoy making music we, we're not I'm not doing it because I'm looking for someone to praise me I just want people to enjoy what we do and I enjoy doing it and as, if, if other people in, like what we're doing that's amazing as well but I don't I don't actively look for stuff I mean I just enjoy making music I'll, I'll do it to the day I die yeah <laughs> definitely yeah and it's just 
I just say that because I remember having this conversation with uh, Mikey, New Foundation. Yeah. And, yeah. and he had so much praise for you as a producer. And we had this conversation once. I remember him telling me about it was something so trivial. It was about autotune. And, you know, it's not the most interesting thing to talk about autotune, to be fair. Um, but he had so much praise about how you use autotune and he actually sent me this file like these links to two different tracks like and one was a remix by you and and he said you know listen to this listen to how he does how he changed the sound of it and he was so he heaped so much praise on you as a producer and yeah and you can hear what he meant and you can hear that in the work that you do because I think it is easy to look back on your work and say oh yeah I could have done this better and I could have done that better from a modern perspective but you know it's like actually I'm not particularly like I'm not one to sit there and chat about frequencies and things like you know yeah I went to UD and I did music production and stuff like that and I learned a lot and I did learn on um uh, not just the the digital side of music but I you know I was very capable I could use compressors and you know um proper consoles and stuff like that and micing up drum kits and things but um it's 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 weird like doing sort of you know music now and stuff because it does it feels it does feel like um i don't know like uh like a bit like a game yeah (laughs) but you are really talented and i remember something that a lot of people don't know about you is i remember years ago you told me that you had music on csi and a lot of people won't know this but you did a lot of work for computer games was it konami yeah yeah, yeah. but that that came a bit later down the line. I mean, I, I'm I, I can't remember exactly, but it it all sort of st- sort of came from like maybe doing. I think there was a couple of Japanese remixes we were doing back in the day, mm-hmm. um, around probably you know 2005 maybe, um, and then um, that kind of sort of moved on to sort of like oh could could you remix for you remember the like the dancing games you know like. Um, dance dance revolution and things you know with the mats and the kids like you know da- you know dance on the mats they had the, obviously in the arcades as well they used to just i think because obviously hardcore was quite kind of suited to that as well a lot of um up-tempo music on there for dancing to and obviously hardcore fitted well into that obviously yeah. they had pop stuff on there as well but um we were kind of uh just um just get it just we didn't realize that it was gonna be so big actually because we still have people that actually ask us about those tracks that actually aren't into um, the UK hardcore scene or happy hardcore scene. Sort of people from around the world that really love this music, which essentially is happy hardcore, but actually to them, it's just high-paced dance music or something to dance to. So, yeah, it has opened doors to other areas. Fantastic. And I do remember you saying about CSI and thinking it was so cool, but, yeah, it's... I guess it's another way of having a career as a music producer um, where you, you're doing what you love and, you know, enjoying yourself without necessarily having that big public profile. And, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, just continue definitely. to make music. Yeah. So that moves us nicely onto the second song you chose and that is from 2010 and it's called Coral Beach. Stop in my mind. <laughs>
Now, 2010 was a massive year for you, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that it was. It just go back a little bit. I think that track came out in 2010, but I think it was actually made in 2008 because one or probably before that slightly. But I remember it. It's one of those tracks where uh, do you remember there was a track called um, The Hall Meter at the Love Parade? Yeah, I loved that noise and I wanted to do a track and put that in there. It ended up just going all over the place because I'd done that that part of the riff and it, I, I kind of wanted it to go down like a happier route as well. So it was quite dark that section was. And I was thinking, oh, well, I'll have a bit of light and shade in it. But then it moved on to like, oh, I need to get some like little hoover noises and stuff like that. Oh, I need to put a little bit of a, a I don't know, acid line in there, TB303. It kind of leaned towards more the freeform crowd because I remember Mark, I gave it to Mark Smith to play and I gave it to Sharky to play. And I I, I don't know whether it was true or not, but um, Mark said he wanted it and then Sharky said he wanted it. And they used it. And it kind of got you. It was used. It was used on Bonkers Seventeen. That was the other thing as well. Is that that was the that was the first Bonkers where I had like seven tracks on there. That was like a, a thing like back then when it was like, oh, you know, like people like Gamma and all that back in the you know early on. You know, they would have a, a track on everyone's disc. You know, whether it be on you know Hixies or you know, Sharkies and all that. And I that was my like sort of ultimate goal at the time is like I really want to be on bonkers but I really want to be on every disc <laughs> and that was like the one like it was that was the the year that happened when bonkers 17 happened and I was so happy I remember and uh I don't know how well it did but I don't think it did too well <laughs> from what I remember mm-hmm. but um yeah that was that was that was what reminds me of that yeah and that's a really good memory to have because I think as artists, we all have that time where we think, yeah, I want to do this and I want to do that. And this song for you is one of those moments where you can look back on that time and say, yeah, I did that. I did what I said I was going to do. And I think it was also one of the first sort of tracks I was really, really happy with the production. There's sometimes when you make a track and you think, oh, it sounds good. And then when you actually play it out, it's like, oh, it's not actually as banging as I wanted it to be. But it's the first time that I made a track and when we actually, I think I might have road tested it for the first time. Um, I can't, it might have been at a free formation. I'm not too sure. It might have been a free formation. But yeah, I just, I, I remember it being like, oh, it actually sounds really, really good on the system. Yeah, too. and what I love about it is like, what you said about the who, I was like, yeah, of course, that's what, that's what it reminds me of. And it's just so, it just keeps driving forward and, and then something else comes in and then there's another thing comes in. And it, it's so I think that's why the Freeform that... lot took it on uh, as mm-hmm. a Freeform track. But in my eyes, I always looked at Freeform and, and saw that uh, that part of Hardcore as, oh, that's any, anything goes. You know, like, ah, oh, well, it's because I always felt Freeform as a genre was always made to feel like it was more sort of, uh, oh, it's trancey and dark and progressive or you know a certain sound but in my eyes it wasn't it was like well it can be anything it wants because that that's the term freeform isn't it surely free free from form which you know later down the line me and gaz did a track called free from form something i've always admired is how you title your songs and they're always really creative and like why did you call this one coral beach for example do you know what that it 
there was, and I think I think it was. Do you know there was? Um, I don't know if you remember sort of old sort of um, oh, how do you say it? Uh, computer music that was kind of made just purely on um, oh, like chip tune. Yeah, it oh. might be in a chip tune. Yeah, I'm sure it was. A, it was a track basically that was made on a computer years and years ago, and it was called Coral Beach. And I just liked the title. That's all it was. There's no connection between the music and the title. I just like the name. <laughs> yeah, a good title draws you in the way. It makes you want to listen to a song, yeah, if it's got a good title. You're good at that. Yeah. Something you've also had to contend with over the years is your alias, Darwin. How did you come up with that name? And do you find it hard? I mean, nowadays there's so many people with the same alias. Does that not drive you mad? Um, having to be noticed a little bit more because so many people have the same name i don't i don't remember that many people using the name back in the day but um the original name was darwinian and my brother actually because my, i was looking for a name my brother tried to help me out and he's into sort of um well he he does computer programming for, for a yeah. living and at the time he had this huge um c plus book that you program in and we just ended up flicking through it and then we came across this word Darwinian and I went oh cool I'll take that that sounds good and I ended up using it but actually when I was doing um early stuff for um Justin and Label um like library music wise I actually used it as a name Darwinian um and then I I shortened it because I thought yeah, too much of a mouthful no one's going to want to like follow someone who's got a name that long I think nowadays it's more people have used a name and it's become more of a thing and more out there. Yeah. Now because now because obviously with the we do Fraxon Darwin is the is the the flagship act. It's kind of like it people don't really go, Oh, it's the same as that name or same as that name. It's kind of unique in its own little way. So something that we talked about with Fracas the other week there on the show. Um, which is from 2010, was that that was the year that you actually won the Breakthrough Award, Best Breakthrough Act Award um, as Fracas and Darwin. And I remember it being a, a huge thing, a big, huge deal, and everyone going crazy online about it and just being so happy for you guys. And I'm just wondering how you felt about it. See, I remember the previous years when people, like watching people win it, and everyone being excited online, I remember. It was, a, it was a big deal, no matter what anyone thinks about the awards at the time or a bit later down the line. Um, it was a big deal and it made a difference. Um, and I remember sort of like previous people winning it and then you'd see loads of stuff online. So I didn't really see anything online or anything like that because obviously we're there. And we were kind of in in the moment and stuff, but I could I, I can imagine you probably saw stuff. I just remember being online and listening to it, and everybody was there and all, yeah. from all over the world. And I think it was when you still had forums and you had remember MSN Messenger and yeah. we used to talk on that and yeah. And I just remember everyone being like, oh, has it, have they heard yet? Has, has it been announced yet? And everyone just so excited. And then the pure joy when it came through that you had actually won it. And yeah, 2010 became that year where you just became this massive, massive success. You, you were massive all over the world. There was people from all over the world who were beginning to know of you and you were becoming a really big thing. And yeah just a really successful yeah yeah we had our art we did our first artist album i think just a few months after we 
again that was the same year we did radio one for the first time as well and we'll you know that that for again another sort of thing that we were you know sort of really proud of and um you know trying to sort of push that in general sound of hardcore rather than just focusing on one sort of you know sound of it we're trying to sort of do as you know the cross the board you know it where where i come from from listening to hardcore as a genre is that i it was a style of music that incorporated everything so if it could be hard it could be breakbeaty it could be you know distorted kick drums it could be ravey sounds it could be trancey the only thing that it had um that was in common with each other was that it it was all fast as long as it was all fast you could put all of those elements into it and that's what i loved about it it was the only genre out there in my eyes where you had free reign you could do whatever you wanted you know so that's why you know hardcore for me has kind of always been like my you know sort of number one genre even even when you know people say it's unpopular or it's going down i'll I'll never stop doing it because it is something that i can you know you've got so much free reign in it and ultimately i enjoy doing it so i also think you have created your own sound like when you listen to your songs you can sit and go yeah that's darwin track and you have a very unique sound to your music in the same way that through hardcore you have um, other producers and you listen to and you think oh yeah like that's scott brown track or that's a darren styles track you just know from listening to it um and that's a a thing you should be really proud of i think because it's not an easy thing to do to have your own like sound i would love to know what that sound Um, is it's hard to explain um i think maybe people listening at home would be like yeah i know exactly what she's talking about but it's hard to explain that when i listen to your music i'm like yeah that's his sound which is unique to you it's i mean it's it's it's, it is cool um i it's it's just like you said it's quite strange because you can't pinpoint it it's obviously like a maybe a sonic signature that people hear i think there's a a lot of thought and care that goes into your songs that it just sounds really well made. I think that's what it is. The it's the that. writing side of it has always been that I just I always write how I feel about it. Like I I've never been one to go. All right, I'm going to write it in this way. I let it kind of take the lead and kind of go. Right, it's going to go down here, and I'm going to do these chords, and I'm going to you know I'm going to I'm going to add this. Sometimes I I I kind of go. Oh, do you know what I'm just going to. I'm going to put some guitar there because actually <laughs> I don't want to put like a, another synth there. I want something like real sounding live there. And you might not even notice it in the track, but it's there. I think yeah. as well. I remember years ago when I was down to visit you and you said to me that it isn't always about the production values of things. You can always work on them as long as the idea is solid. Um, And I remember being sent a song by Daniel Seven and then sending it to you and it was because you had told me that that the idea of a song is is the most important thing because as long as that's solid you can work on all the production and everything else that can be fixed um, as long as your idea is solid and I think that really shines through in in what you do as well that you you think creatively from the, the idea first and it and that's what how I mean, this was long before Daniel Seven was doing anything. This was way back in the day and it led to him being signed and so on. That initial idea of what you told me. Because most of the time I actually don't, like, you know, you would think, oh, well, it's dance music. You've got to start on the drums first and like the bass and stuff like that. 
actually sometimes I just sit there and I actually do the music. I'll do all the chords. I'll do. I'll see how it feels, and then I'll go right. Okay, I love the way that feels. Let's let's get some kick drum, kick drum and bass in there. Let's see how that goes. And sometimes it actually doesn't work. You have to go. Ah, oh, I've got to scrap that. <laughs> the key might be too weird or too low that it doesn't fit properly. So you have to kind of go back to the drawing board. But yeah, most of the time I do focus on the music first, and then I'll go to the, the sort of um, production or the to make it hit <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. Sometimes it yeah. works, sometimes it doesn't. But I, like I said, you know, music should be fun. It should be free, you know, from any constraints. You know, yeah. you should just enjoy what you're doing. The moment you stop enjoying it, it's just not worth continuing, really. Yeah, and it's good that you continue to make your music and to make your mark on the scene. You've been nearly 20 years in the business now. <laughs> so, yeah, so... um. Yeah, it's good that you're still enjoying it. Would you say there's been what would you say has been the biggest barriers over the years? Things that have you've had to overcome and to to push on through to get to where you are. That's a tough one. That is because I mean, you know, not that it was an obstacle, but obviously having a, a young family was hard work. I mean, you don't see it. That's the thing. I'm I've never been one to sort of share things like with the world. You know about sort of personal life and stuff, but it, it's you know everybody that knows it's got children that try to do music. You know you're getting distracted all the time. You can't you can't put you know all you know a full day into doing something. You have to you know jump back and forth and do all you know you know parenty things and all that sort of thing. But that's always been one of the hardest things to get through. But you know. You know, because I wanted this so much, I, you know, it's, it, I, I was happy to do it, you yeah. know, and happy to go through it all. And, you know, it's not really any, it's not really a, an obstacle, really. I just learned to do it all that way. Dark world. We're going to move on to your third song now and it's from 2021 and it's called Dark World. Now this is from the lockdown sessions. Uh, yeah, we put it on lockdown sessions as well, but it was on a label um, by, uh, well, by a, a freeform producer, Cyrax, who runs Energy Field. Yeah, he asked me if I wanted to do something for his label and um, I said, yeah, of course, you know, he, he said I can you can do whatever you want, you know, as long as it, you know, something, you know, sort of on the, the sort of trancier side of stuff. And the thing is, I love trance music as well. I really wanted to do something that was kind of on that tip of that classic trance sound. Yeah. The other side of it is that I really like 
you know, doing sort of like um, film score style sort of vibes, you know. And it was like you can adapt that sort of, sort of atmosphere to sort of trance music really well. And um, yeah, and it was kind of like just just a bit of fun, really, and and something just it, something I want to do. There's no there's no plan for it. It's not it's not particularly for any particular genre. It was just like I like doing this sound, and I want to do more of it, and I want to have a go at it. And someone gave me the opportunity to to do it, you know, for their label. It's and, an um, absolutely yeah. amazing song, and with this song like what we were saying earlier on about you having your own unique sound you can really hear it in this song because it's so epic and it has this film score feel to it that's that's just amazing it's just a wow yeah wow and it has that classic trance sound as well which is oh lush and yeah it's just so well crafted and orchestral and yeah it's just it's just amazing and you created this song obviously you created this during the pandemic that's I imagine that's when you created this and I wonder if maybe some of that has inspired it in some way yeah it was kind of just it would just happened what it was happening yeah and it was just um yeah we were writing a lot of music me, me and Gaz were writing a lot of music at that point so you know we just kind of wanted it's you know that's all we were doing we we're just writing and writing and writing you know, we had just I'd just um set up um brutal cuts, you have music blocks on the go. Um, you know, we're just building those those sort of two platforms up. But we're also doing stuff at other labels like Future Breaks and Hectech and you know, um uh what else was there? There was stamina, you know, obviously energy field. Um but yeah, we just sort of kept writing at that point in time. But that was one of the tracks that was um written at that time. And um, yeah, just enjoyed it. I haven't had a chance to play it out properly though, because it's yeah. a, it's a little bit slower than um, what we normally uh, sort of produce at and DJ at. So I'm sure there'll be a time and a place. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And yeah, it's got that feel. It's a lot of music that's been inspired lately by the pandemic has has got that kind of feel, and it, it feels very much of its time. Like the creativity in it and everything that you've put into it, it feels right for the time. Um, definitely. Um, have you had a lot of really good feedback from the fans on it? What have the fans had to say? Yeah, about? I think loads of. I mean, I've, I've seen it in a few sets, and um, yeah, it's it's just one of those tracks where it's a it's more less so that it's gotten out there and you know it's been played to loads of people. More so that I I've enjoyed it as an experience, and you know it it's a creative thing rather than actually a track that like the other two that actually got out there quite far afield you know so yeah yeah it's just the feedback on it's been good and you know um you know it's again it's still early days with with a track like that because pe- people will pick up on something like that later down the line as yeah well. would you say that around this time obviously this is a pandemic time that you created this track would you say that the pandemic has changed the way that you work or the way that you feel towards what you do? Because I know a lot of people who came through the pandemic came out with a different way of thinking of where, whether it be with how they created their music or how they did their gigs, um, gigging in general. Um, would you say that's affected you in the same way or are you just as ready and ready to go as you were before? Um, how did it? How is it? How would you say the pandemic? has changed life for you um, really well 
I mean, I, I just wanted to be a producer. So, you know, the, don't get me wrong, I love the DJing side, but the producing side was always where I wanted to be. Like, you know, from a young teenager, like, it's what I wanted to do. So I think the pandemic just made that more visible. Oh, this hasn't really changed what I'm doing. I'm just doing more of it. And I actually enjoying that because I'm doing more of it. And I think that's it just allowed me to kind of switch the focus more on to making music than before we were kind of gigging. And then that would take up your weekend. And then you'd, by the time you sort of reset, it was like, oh, I'll go back to studio. But then it's like, oh, we've got more gigs to worry about as well. Yeah. You now we've got that one to think about, this one to think about. You know, and then, you know, you're sort of split. Um, it wasn't a bad split, but obviously, you know, when you're focused on one thing, you can do it really well. Yeah. And it really shows in this track. Yeah. When you look back on your career, what would you say has been the best moment for you, the best memory of your career, really, from everything that you've done over the years? I don't know. That's that's the problem is it's I don't think you can choose one. Or if there is a, I mean I've been there's been ups and there's like anything, there's ups and downs and um but I it, I don't I wouldn't like to choose one. I think I would rather yeah. just kind of let it let it be what it's gonna be. And then sort of enjoy the the ride. Yeah, and you had a great ride so far, and it's you've done so much to be proud of. There's, and you did it with some, as you said before, with with difficult situations. You've still managed to keep on going and have this amazing career. And yeah, it's it's fantastic. So, do you where do you see yourself in the future? Do you still see yourself in twenty, thirty years time still making music and that being your life for going forward? I can't see myself doing anything else other than um, hardcore music and music in general. So may it, may it continue. And there's the future of the music as well. You know, it it would be nice to sort of um, grow grow the record labels and sort of you know find some you know talent out there that you know can sort of benefit from the platform, help the music continue. Because in the end, it's not you know music can only go on you know if if we're you know, help, you know, all get behind it and stuff and you know, make sure that another generation get to hear it. This has been Greatest Beats. I hope you've enjoyed the show. And if you have, don't forget to share and subscribe and tell your friends, let them know we're here. I'm Ellie. It's been great having you. Join me next time for another three Greatest Beats.